Hi everyone, welcome to TacoCast number 21. We have uh, two of our favorite people um, that we were able to talk to for this 21st TacoCast. That's right, and this year's Oscar is coming up in about a week, and uh, we were able to talk to Glenn Keane uh, and uh, Max Keane, Glenn's son. Uh, both of them uh, worked on uh, Dear Basketball and the movie that got nominated for the animation, short animated film category. Yeah, Glenn is is a legendary animator from uh, Disney, animated Little Mermaid, Beast, Tarzan. I mean, all all of the amazing characters that I, I know I grew up with in the Disney films. Um, but left Disney um, at a point where you know he had, I mean, one of the most successful careers as a Disney animator. Um, but left to strike out on his own um, with Max and uh, Jenny Rim, his producer, uh, to start their own studio, Glen Keane Studios. And Tongo House and Glen Keane Studios have had a very interesting kind of shared uh, kind of experience. We got connected. I mean, we started our, our studio just around the same time, and I think both studios, you know, trying to figure out what to do with the, the experience and talent we have and. And in a way, we bonded so much because we struggled the same, you know, with the same stuff. And and also, we were both super passionate uh, animation filmmakers. Uh, of course, uh, Glenn being a, a, such a legend in animation industry, there was a bit of a surprise how he treated us as if, you know, we were his peers. Yeah, and, it, and it's actually not just us, I feel like, you know, in... in spending more time with Glenn, it's the way he treats everyone, and right. it's just with the <clears throat> utmost respect and care and interest in, in people and artists, and I think Max is the same way, and we've just grown uh, to really depend on them, to kind of be someone we go to in, in times where we just need to be reminded as to why we're doing this, and so we had a great little conversation with them, talking about um, their studio, some of their upcoming projects, Dear Basketball and how it came to be. Uh, and a little bit about our relationship. So here's Tonko Hass number 21. So honored to uh, spend time with you, especially at, in this uh, busy time uh, for you guys. And uh, yeah, I guess the first topic is definitely Dear Basketball. Uh, first of all, congratulations for your nominations and uh, ceremony is coming up in, uh, in 10 days or so. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, yeah. How did this uh, project start, and you know who initiated? Obviously, with the uh, Kobe Bryant's, uh, you know, big involvement. How did this whole start? Well, so yeah, Kobe and uh, Max and I <laughs> never met before this project. You know, and it's not the kind of thing that normally happens that have Kobe Bryant decided to want to come over to the studio and talk, but that happened. Um, it was really through um, an introduction from Karen Dufalo, who was our executive producer at Google for Spotlight Stories. And Kobe had seen Duet, and he was also familiar with my work from Disney. And there was something in that. It could possibly be the fact that Duet was so much like a just a visual poem. 
and it would been in his head to do something with animation. So he came over for a visit uh, where we, we, you know, it was him and uh, he arrived uh, along with Vanessa and his two girls. And um, there was Max and Jenny and I and my wife and um, who else was, was that? Karen and Karen. Her, her, her two girls. Yeah, and it was, everybody was jammed into my little animation office. I mean, we were tight in there. And it was one of those surreal moments, like super surreal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that that goes down as one of like this, the most surreal moments was like, because at, at the studio we have, you know, like a little gate and you walk <laughs> through this little gate and onto like a little grassy area. And then this, the studio is a duplex. So we have the, the smaller, <laughs> the lower ceiling <laughs> size duplex and Kobe comes walking up. And it's like this icon that you've seen so many times and and he's huge and he walked up and i was just like hey kobe and i put out my hand (laughs) just like i don't think yeah i never thought i'd ever say that to kobe right and like be shaking this giant hand like (laughs) yeah and then to go back into your office and sit with him and his family and Karen and her little girls and like the kids are sitting on the ground and we were just all it was it felt like I don't know like something you would do at a family gathering or like a, a holiday thing you know just kind of sitting around and you and Kobe are talking about Beethoven and uh, yeah we we immediately connected well first we connected on the idea of leaving behind a career uh like for me at Disney and Kobe with the Lakers and how stepping into something new is, was really exciting and challenging and a little scary and how important that is. I mean, we, we related on that level. I very quickly um, confessed that I was the worst basketball player on earth and uh, (laughs) that I that was not a connection point, though. Uh, in animation, you can be anything you can imagine. So, but at, at, at this point, we weren't really talking about doing Dear Basketball. He hadn't written it yet. Um, it was it was more of a connection of I I love animation. I mean, I think we were surprised that that he was such an animation geek, and. So I started to draw a little mermaid and different characters and just talk about animation. And his his girls were were fascinated and Kobe was kind of geeking out about all of that. And it was it was really wonderful to realize that. I don't know that just drawing characters on a piece of paper um, had connected deeply to Kobe and that this was a real moment where, I mean, I had watched him so many times in, in his games where I would be in a story session, remember on Treasure Planet and having to have to leave work to get home because Kobe was, was going to be playing and watching him. And, and here he was in our office talking about animation. Um, and then at a certain point, we started talking about music and, uh, 
I don't know who brought it up first, um, but how important music was. And I think Kobe. I think he brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. Kobe brought up how he had played one of the championship games to Beethoven's fifth in his head and how important the structure, dramatic structure of music and structuring how you play a game. Um, that it's not just all one, you know, sprint all the way through, but you are really pacing yourself and you come out strong, really strong. You know, and he was playing it in his head. And when he was saying that, I was like, well, I can't believe it. I mean, Beethoven's ninth for me has been that. How many times I've animated to my characters to the ninth. Uh, Beast's transformation was all to Beethoven's ninth. And so we connected on this really obscure level creatively uh, about Beethoven. And sort of like, yeah, I think I think I could hang out with you. And I think that's how he felt about us. Wow. He also had mentioned uh, that after scoring the game to Beethoven's, what was it, fifth? Fifth. Yeah, uh, that he called John Williams because you can do that when you're Kobe, <laughs> <laughs> and because he wanted to pick his brain about uh, song structure and and composing and trying to to find that parallel between like team leading and uh, cultivating that um, that cohesiveness uh, that you get with composing music if you can have the same kind of um, composition or composing of a team, I guess, hmm. which is really interesting that yeah. uh, he was already connecting sort of things peripherally. Um, well, and that's when I think I realized something about Kobe that just continued to grow through our whole time working with him, that his greatest skill was not as a as an athlete, but was as somebody who was like a sponge he wanted to learn always wants to learn and really a serious student of of whatever he something new he's going to learn it um that that was really impressive very quiet uh very quiet i mean sometimes it was like really working to hear what he was saying he just was not the aggressive mamba on the court <laughs> he was in our our little studio after we met, we spent that time together. It was clear, I want to do something with you in animation. We didn't know what it was. And then that that was sometime in the fall. Uh, and he was coming up to his final season. And he knew it was his final season. And I was right. He was coming off the Achilles injury yeah. that had taken him out. Oh, gosh, sure. unbelievable that you could actually come back after that. Um, so this was going to be his final season and in his head he was going to write this letter to basketball and he did around christmas time something like that he wrote it first one version that turned out not to be the one he kept that was more of like a cathartic version where it was there was frustration and anger about not being able to keep going with this and it was more aggression towards basketball. And then he said, I got that out. And then I wrote, Dear Basketball. 
and as I wrote it, I knew I wanted it to be animated. And I knew as I wrote it that I wanted John Williams to score it. Uh, so um, we, what, when did we talk to John Williams? Um, it, yeah, it was, it was early on. It, yeah, but it, it was not until we had already gone through storyboarding and really fleshed out something to. That's right. Show. Yeah. So Kobe called John Williams right after he wrote that and said, would you, would you do the score for this? And John said, well, yes, I'd be interested in, you know, I've got this, uh, this Star Wars gig, you know, and, uh, but if it's okay, maybe we could use the Star Wars orchestra and Kobe's like, uh, yeah, no, that's okay. We can do that. Yeah. So, but then we didn't talk about um, doing this, this Dear Basketball, until after his um, final game. Max and I were here at the studio on his final game, which was an unbelievable event. I mean, I don't think there's ever been anybody in sports history who's had a, a final swan song in their sport like he did to have his final game scored 60 points uh, and won what seemed like there was not, yeah, he was, what are they like 12, 15 points behind or something like that. And three yeah. minutes left and, and Kobe just never missed. He just never missed. It was weird. And Max and I were screaming our heads off here at the studio watching this. And uh, so Actually, yeah, before the game, texting Kobe, wishing him luck. And he's responding, right? He's like, what are you doing? You shouldn't be responding to me. You should be, this is your last game. And then it was the, the day after he texted and he said, let's do this. Will you do Dear Basketball? And I really want it to be hand-drawn. I want it to, to have a very um, handcrafted feel. And I mean, he just said everything in that text that was... Because uh, it was really texting. That's how we often communicated. That um, just felt so much in a, our world, like duet was hand drawn. He was using a lot of duet as kind of a, a springboard for the what he wanted it to feel like. And um, so we we started to storyboard, storyboard it out. Actually, I had to leave to go to France for some reason and dumped it on me. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, no, kidding. Max said, hey, do you mind if I start to storyboard? Uh, and I said, yeah, OK. Yeah. So you sat down and you started boarding while I was gone. Um, and my my thoughts were this is a guy who has given everything in his career. And here he has opened his heart, very vulnerably presented um, his story, his love for this game. And this is, I took it really seriously as to how, what's the big message in this? And that's what I'm thinking of. And when I came back and I looked at what Max's boards were, I was, I was like, well, I, I hadn't been thinking that at all. You want to talk about what mm -hmm. you? I didn't do anything special. I just 
I just read the lines and I drew images that corresponded to what he said. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah. Well, that's a smart idea when you're boarding. Super unpoetic. <laughs> <laughs> very one for one. Uh, I think I think that literal uh, interpretation of what he was saying initially was really important for him because uh, those details of rolling a sock and him being a six-year-old boy sitting in his bedroom living out this dream uh, as a six-year-old was really literally what he was doing and that that is like the the memory that he experienced and he wanted I think the audience to to get you know to get that um that dreaming when you're a kid and that the purity of of what it is to dream and uh, to have that, uh, to have that goal when you're so young, you know, uh, and also there's just something very odd about rolling up tube socks, uh, to turn into a basketball. I thought that there was something really sweet in that too, because they were his dad's tube socks because his dad was a basketball player. And so Kobe said his dad's tube socks were huge. <laughs> so he'd have to roll them up really tightly. And he had the whole system worked out to how he could roll up the tube sock to make it feel like a basketball. So it wouldn't like unravel when it, he shot it on like, a, I guess he had a little plastic hoop. And yeah. uh, imagine himself shooting at the forum or whatever. Well, and our first, uh, then we went down to Kobe's uh, studio down in Newport Beach. Um, he really wanted to show us how to do it, and we filmed it. We shot some you know, iPhone or whatever, uh, how Kobe was rolling it, tucking it so it wouldn't fall apart. But when I saw what Max had storyboarded, my head wasn't in that. I, my head was in something like big, and what's the big message to this thing? And and I, I skipped over like the most obvious thing ever since I started rolling my dad's tube socks. Um, and it was a detail and it was like a real memory, you know, like our earliest memories may be the sound of, of, I don't know, a door shutting and a creak of a spring or, of a, a, I don't know, for, there's certain lights that I have in my head as my earliest memories, and they're very specific. They're very small and seemingly unimportant to somebody else, but they open up my whole childhood for me. And I think that that's where he was at. All of the details, the posters on the wall had to be the exact posters, and he was texting us images of the poster. The way he put the chairs on the basketball court, Kobe sketched those chairs out so that we would put them just the way they were. The video cassette player that he had on his bed and he put in the video cassette and watch, he really wanted wanted all of that to be authentic. And it, Because he knew that if this had come out and he saw it, that he would comb through every little last detail yeah. and that he would be extracting the meaning out of all those little things like what are the posters? He would, he would want to know that if this was yeah. Michael Jordan uh, and made this video or. Uh, yeah, I, I know that for me, like with animation, 
I mean, anything I could dig up on Freddie Moore or Bill Titla, I just, I'd search through, this is in the old days when the archives were, you could go in and look around. I'd say, hey, can I just uh, look and see if you got any old Freddie Moore drawings? Oh, this guy, Leroy, would say, yeah, go ahead, I'm back there. And I'd go and pull behind old Snow White scenes and I'd, I'd find like a whole stash of Freddie Moore drawings that he drew over other people's work. And I'd, Leroy, look, here's a whole bunch of Freddie Moore stuff. Wow. Oh, yeah, well, huh. Well, I figured there might be stuff, something back you could find. Can, can I, so can I take these? Yeah, we'll just bring them back. So, and I did, which many people did not. All those drawings are gone now. I mean, over the years, different people came and found those. And, you know, those are the ones that you can buy online or for sale, I guess, now. But, um, but I didn't take them. <laughs> I brought them back. But there was there was something so wonderful and real about Freddie Moore. And I could, if I could find a photo of him, if I could have anything that connected to how he grew, it was important for me as an artist to feel like it was possible for me. When you guys found out about the nomination, uh, did you talk to Kobe right away, or was it something you guys expected? How 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 did that all come? This great news. Well, I was in uh, bed uh, with Linda, my wife, <laughs> and uh, the it's five o'clock in the morning. My iPhone is starting to go. All these people are saying, hey, they're going to announce the Academy Awards you know, nominees. So I went and made some coffee and we sat in bed and watched it. And, uh, you know, I've I've watched that before where we were wondering if we were going to be nominated or not. And I know that empty feeling when you're not. <laughs> and so it's sort of like, eh, OK, just preparing myself like, all right, just. Nice. You wake up early, have a cup of coffee. That'll be that'll be good enough. But then they announce your name. It's like, whoa, this is really cool. Going to we're going to go to the Academy Awards for the first time. First time in my life. Been doing this for a long time, but I've never had a chance really to go for anything other than watching somebody else go up. And I don't know. That was it. Was just a pinch me moment. Yeah. Uh, I, well, the nomination is for, for Glenn and Kobe, uh, and, but to be able to be a part of it, a part of something that, that does get nominated was pretty exciting. Though it was five in the morning, uh, my dad texted me and I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. So like, <laughs> like finally sleeping and I was just like. Who texted me at five in the morning? Because <laughs> I had totally forgotten about the nominations. And then I looked and I was like, oh, I can't believe it. All right, I'll, I'll celebrate after like another hour of sleep. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was thrilling. I, I never, I was never thinking about uh, Academy Awards or anything like that when we started working on it. It wasn't even mm, like, no. I don't know. I, I really wasn't putting it in that context, I just. It was, it's interesting. I was talking with Kobe about this the other day, about that, that day. Um, he was, he said, yeah, he was up. His daughter um, uh, had been wanting 
to just train more for basketball. So he said, well, you're going to have to get up early and before school. She said, okay. So they've been getting up for the last month at four o'clock in the morning training. I mean, she's on Kobe's schedule. And so it was um, out there on the court that he heard, you know, somebody called and told him that he was nominated. And his daughter uh, said, hey, dad, see what, um, yeah, you, you went for it. And, you know, with, with hard work, this is what you get. You know, and she she just said stuff back to him that he'd been saying to her. <laughs> and he, he remembered there was a certain point where he was wondering, I don't know, should I really do this? Should I do this whole thing in animation? And and his daughter had said, well, Dad, you, sh you always tell us to go for it. So, yeah, I mean, Dad, go for it. And and I told Kobe, I said, you know, I had a similar kind of a moment where I'm, I'm deciding, is this something to, should we do this? I don't know about basketball. I mean, and talking to Max and I remember just standing right outside of our little office here, just kind of in this conversation. And you said, dad, I mean, this is, this is a once in a lifetime chance. You, you got to go for it. You know, it was like, this is a parallel sort of conversations that we were having with our kids uh, at that same moment. And that was the coolest thing to be able to, to do this project with Max uh, all and all the way through it. I mean, the look of the whole thing is, is really because of, of Max. He kind of celebrates the, the line and lifts it off the page and presents it as, as something Oh, worth watching and um, values the creative line on a piece of paper. Um, and he was constantly encouraging me, no, no, leave it rough. Don't, don't, don't clean it up. This is good. This is good. It's really nice to have somebody saying that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm really glad that this project is what you're getting recognized for because every frame is his drawing. You know, and it's it's done in a style that uh, is really coming out of you, uh, and there's no there's no character design being imposed on it or something. There's no, I mean, it's it's really uninflected or unaffected you. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, the it, this project, I think, out of all the ones, you work the hardest at the skill of illustrating. Hmm. I mean, the animation was incredible and studied and, and so uh, restrained in a sense to be true to the, the movement. Um, but just the, the draftsmanship, I think, is pretty outstanding. Uh, yeah. Thank you. That's amazing. We'd love to hear um, um, the journey that the Glenkin Studios is taking, and uh, some of the announcements that we've heard, uh, and you know, obviously Tonkhouse, and we we are independent studios as well, and and you know, just always have been such a huge fan of what you guys have been doing. And can you guys talk a little bit about the state of uh, you know your projects that you have in 
in development and you know as much as you can talk about of course mm -hmm. well, yeah well i mean I, i don't think we can be like ultra specific yet for you know because of bigger <laughs> pieces at play i guess but i i'm i'm developing a kid show and i've sold that and so now i'm gonna go into production on that soon um and i'm i'm doing some <laughs> work with max on that yeah which is really pretty cool yeah it's because max has done the designs of the all the characters but i'm trying to bring in some uh drawing for them to be modeled in cg mm -hmm. so i i'll go over his drawings and i bring him in to his office and <laughs> and he's pointing out like oh, i don't know i think this is not I, it, it's a little bit more and he starts to describe the way what he wants in the character and how i'm missing it You know, and I'm afraid I'm going to get fired. By, I feel like I'm going into my boss, and he's he's going to fire me. Like, okay, all right, all right, all right. I'll, I'll do better. I'll do better next time. And I go across the hall, and and I keep working on it. Yeah, next it's awesome. He comes in with drawings on animation paper, and I go, "What do you got? What do you got for me?" So th th that this show, Max, you're directing. Um, this is your story, and uh, it's a series. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but I think the exciting thing is, is like you know, you guys have been working on the short, and the studio has is moving forward, and this is a big, this is a big project. I mean, just being an independent studio and knowing what it means to sell a project and get something off the ground. I mean, you guys, like you said, Max, you guys are in a duplex, but you know, you guys will have to grow to be able to do this project and all of those things are very, very exciting. Um, and, and just, you know, hearing more and more about it, uh, it's just, you know, it's a big project for studios like ours or like yours to be able to um, take on and it's super exciting and, and uh, we're, we're definitely watching eagerly and totally. I know we can't say much, but yeah. it's... Yeah, thank you so much, Robert. Yeah. We're, we're proud of it and um, I know we've picked your guys' brains and spent it invaluable. Just just having people like yourselves around to be able to even talk to and give support to one another is, yeah, it's, it's priceless. Yeah, it's really, I can't wait for the world to kind of see what's inside Max's head. Yeah. Um, it's really sweet and endearing and um, yeah. Without saying, we can't say much about it, right. so totally. yeah. uh, we'll just Thanks. let everyone else uh, wait to see. To yeah, wait for. Yeah, and then Glenn, um, if you could talk a little bit about the uh, your feature uh, that was announced a few weeks ago, I, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Well, before I mention that, I, I just wanted to point out how Tonko House Studio is uh, been such an inspiration for us. I mean, there's something very going into the unknown and creating your own little place. And after being at studios like Disney or Pixar, uh, where you have all of the support and all this gigantic team of creative talent around you and, and you, you feel like you go off on your own and how do you do it? What do you do? I mean, what's the right way to do it? And I must be doing it the wrong way, but this is the only way that I know. And you start doing it your own, you start doing it your way. 
And it meant so much to us to visit you guys early on when we were just starting as well um, and to see you doing it your way. I, I can't tell you how encouraging that was for for us to come back here. Uh, I still think of that, just sitting in your tiny little one room. I don't know how big it was. It was tiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just and you just done damn keeper and gosh it was like how did these guys do this this is so wonderful and you spun gold out of straw and and it wouldn't have happened in the big studio and it, it's really important that these little groups like yours like ours connects and encourages one another and others to do the same thing i really believe you know, when Ollie Johnston was saying to me early on, he said, Glenn, you're going to do greater things than us someday. Like, oh, gosh, I wish he'd never said that. I mean, who's going to do greater than Pinocchio? And this? and you carry that around. And now I realize, oh, he, he was talking like greater in application. I mean, taking these principles and applying them in new ways. And sometimes you've got to leave like the big studio structure in order to do that and that's what you're doing that's what we're doing um and uh so a, a big part of of animation for me is sharing uh teaching uh passing on in the way that was passed on to me by uh, frank and ollie and eric and when i was 20 years old and so i've been speaking and traveling and uh, this summer i went to um Annecy and spoke and talked about thinking like a child and and how that same spark that we have when we're kids that's the same thing that's you got to hang on to that when you're uh, a professional and the older you get the more precious that is well in the audience were was um Melissa Cobb and Palin Chow and Melissa Cobb became the head of Netflix and Palin the head of Pearl Studios and they both had developed this project uh, before uh, Pearl and Netflix um, called Over the Moon. And when they heard me speak, they thought, that's a guy we got to have him direct, which is a really nice way to have somebody feel like you are the right director when they've just heard you speak and you weren't in any way selling yourself to them. Instead, I was just talking entirely about what moves me creatively. And they said, you're right for this project. And uh, and they were. I mean, this, this character, Fei-Fei, is very much a character that I, if, if I'm gonna animate something, I would animate her. Uh, a character that believes the impossible is possible. She's gonna build this rocket to the moon. I mean, this is, this is ridiculous. Well, how is she going to do that? And she's going to meet uh, a, a goddess up there, Chang'e, who is lives on the dark side of the moon and it believes in love that lasts forever. This is such a fantasy character, a girl that um, can keep in her head uh, a belief in what you can't see and a scientific mathematical mind to actually build this rocket because it's it's like a Miyazaki meets Peter Pan kind of a story. Um, and it's, all right, so we're just getting started on it now. Um, 
and it's, it's a chance for for me to do something in a longer form and not not lose any of the the poetic um, personal expressiveness that we've been doing in the shorter form yeah yeah i mean i think a big key to the being able to like have these multiple things going is somebody like jenny our producer who's able to i i don't know she she thrives in situations where there's a lot going on <laughs> and she she's really able to keep nurturing projects and um find the right people to to support that idea and find the right people to support this idea and uh or, yeah just she's like the, she's the biggest uh glue and creative supporter yeah has, here now has been uh well I, she and i were working together at, at disney when i left she left not long after and uh became our producer for duet and um has has this gift of seeing something that's hidden inside there's a proverb that says the plans in a person's heart are like deep water but someone of understanding can draw them out and it's very much that way i mean i watched jenny for a couple years helping get what was inside of max out to where it's actually now it's mm. going to be made same thing for me and there's things that i've still got there that she knows and she's still kind of blowing on that flame to kind of keep it keep it alive and it's going to get done one of these days uh over the moon stepped in and that's i'm seeing that's all a big part of it which jenny is going to be producing that as well and and also max's project um yeah she's the the indispensable person in this little triangle <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you guys really have a you know glen keen studios the family of glen keen studios is just a collection of incredible people um from top to bottom and you know i mean glenn really thank you for saying such nice things about tonko house but it really is kind of a mutual thing and uh, I gotta say that every visit to Glen Keane Studio has, like, not out of a planned way, but been a really important visit for us in terms of oftentimes, you know, it's landed in a place where we really needed it, I think, where we just, you know, it's just so easy to lose sight of your North Star sometimes. And, um, and I think spending time with you guys, I think you guys are living very much in that same place. And, and spending time with you guys and Jenny... I agree is such a huge part of it and, and such a wonderful uh, artist herself, I think. And um, and I think in that way, I, I think we just love spending time with you guys and with your studio and, and love hearing about everything that's going on just because I, I really do think that, uh, you know, selfishly, just like this podcast, just like many things, we always walk away from it feeling like... I feel like we just took, we just took, 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 um, and uh, we really appreciate, um, you know, having, getting to spend time with you guys. I think it's really um, important for us and uh, really meaningful. Um, Thank you. Oh, yeah. That's exactly how we feel anytime we spend time with you. We're the ones that end up walking away with the goods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, 
thank you guys. It's uh, um, it's been uh, really amazing to just hear just a small part of the journey, and you know we just can't stop uh, talking about you when we are not with you guys, <laughs> and and just uh, we're definitely watching uh, the ceremony. Um, and you know, no matter what the result is, it's such an, an amazing achievement. Um, and then, with the new upcoming projects, we're just so excited to hear what's going to happen. If there's anything we can, you know, be uh, a part of or, or be any of a help, uh, it's, we are we're definitely there at any moment. Um, so please let us know. And and again, thank you so much for such an inspiring uh, stars for us to follow. Thank you, Dice. Yeah, same. Yeah, we're here for you too. You know, if there's anything we can do to help you guys keep on your course. Awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you for your time and the yeah. best of luck. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah.